Okay. Why don't you turn in your Bibles, if you've got them uh, with you, to Isaiah chapter 54. Uh, the title of my message this morning is Pursuing Breakthrough. And just to give you a little bit of background to the passage, Isaiah was a prophet to the people of Judah. Now, some of you will know that um, the children of Israel were split into 10 northern tribes and two southern tribes. The, two, the 10 northern tribes were still called Israel and the two southern tribes were called Judah. And during Isaiah's time from about 740 BC to 680 BC, uh, Israel was just completely destroyed by the Nazis of their day, the Assyrians. And Isaiah wrote and prophesied to the Jewish remnants, the people of Judah, and uh, he wrote to try and convince them to turn to God and to hope in the coming Messiah. And there are some amazing passages in the book of Isaiah, if you've taken the time to read that. Uh, one of them that I love, Isaiah 9 verse 6, for instance, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is Isaiah speaking. This is Isaiah prophesying way, 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 way before, nearly, um, nearly a thousand years before um, the coming of Jesus Christ. The people of Judah, the two southern tribes, sort of went the way of the northern tribes as well in that they progressively moved away from wholeheartedly serving God. And so eventually God just released his, his protection over them and the tribes of Judah were forcibly exiled by the Babylonians to Babylon in 58, uh, 586 BC. But 150 years earlier, God had given Isaiah prophetic words that his people would need while they were in captivity. God is never surprised by our circumstances, but he always has the right word at the right time if we would listen. So in Isaiah chapter 40, God says that after Judah's punishment has been fulfilled, there would be a new era of God's intervention in their circumstances, and God would restore Judah back to Jerusalem and an amazing future. He prophesies of the atoning work of Jesus Christ and God's amazing redemptive plans for mankind. But captive in Babylon, God's people felt that their prayers weren't being answered. They felt that God's promises weren't being fulfilled, that nothing was changing year after year after year, and it wasn't that they didn't love God, but life was not unfolding as they anticipated that it should have. And as a consequence, they, they'd lost their hope. They'd lost their joy. They were just going through the motions of everyday living. And that is the state of mind of the people that this prophetic word is addressed. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 51, uh, 54 verse 1, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, 
Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. What a great passage that is. What an amazing passage. But it starts off by God calling his people a barren woman. Now, we need to understand that barrenness in the Hebrew culture and the culture of the East was not just an unfortunate thing. It wasn't just a matter of regret. It was an absolute tragedy. It was a reproach. It was a matter of deep humiliation. It was a disgrace. The same as it is to many cultures in the East today. Barrenness was a reason for divorce. Because people saw that children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Uh, I always remember having a word of knowledge at a pastor and leaders gathering in India uh, about a decade or so ago. A, the word was that there were people in the meeting who couldn't conceive. And I remember in particular one couple responding and it was obvious that there was absolute pain on this woman's face. It was obvious that uh, her life was just absolutely shattered because she couldn't have children. Uh, I didn't have to say anything. You could just see it. It was just so evidenced. It was so obvious. Uh, I prayed in faith, and 10 months later, they had a child. Uh, God had opened a barren womb. And the mother's life was just absolutely transformed. They were going to do a dumb thing. They were going to name the child after me. But um, <laughs> it wasn't me. I was just a vehicle. It was God who did the healing. It was God who did the opening. But when I read about barren children, uh, a barren woman in the Bible, uh, I always remember that. I remember that woman's face and how distraught she was about her situation. <clears throat> a childless woman was regarded as a failure. She was looked upon as a sinner. And a barren woman's life was one of pain and humiliation. And you see that in scriptures when you look at the life of Rachel or the look at the life of Hannah and the suffering that they went through because of their barrenness. And God is calling his people a barren woman, because that's how they were feeling. In verse 4, they were feeling disgraced. In verse 5, they were feeling unmarried. In verse 6, they were rejected. In verse 7, they were feeling abandoned and unloved. And these people felt like a barren woman, and they were. They were enslaved and exiled with no answers to prayer, no hope of a meaningful future. This is how they felt, and this is how they lived, uh, and they lived as if God was distant and detached. 
And sometimes we can feel exactly the same way. We feel like our lives are not making a difference. We feel that our lives are unproductive and unfruitful. We feel let down by God or by leadership. We feel like there are areas of barrenness in our marriage or our business or our relationship with the Lord. And God seems distant. And it seems like our prayers are not being answered and we have little hope for a different future. At times we feel like a failure. At times we feel trapped in an endless cycle. But listen to what God told his barren people to do. He said, trust and sing in anticipation of a breakthrough. Isaiah 54 verse 1, sing barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. And surely, when you read that, surely this was the last thing that these people would have wanted to do. So why did God tell them to sing and shout? Why did he put this on them? Well, he did it because he was going to do far exceedingly abundantly above all that they were asking or imagining. He was about to answer their prayers, and God wasn't just going to restore them and make them fruitful. He was going to make them more fruitful than they could ever imagine. He was going to restore their hope, he says, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. God was going to turn everything around. They would be able to dream again and trust God for their future, but they needed to take that prophetic stance. They needed to begin to stir themselves up afresh. They needed to begin to sing and shout, not because of the situation that they were in, but because of what God was going to do in the future. By calling them barren, God was reminding them of their history. You see, the mother of their nation, Abraham's wife, Sarah, had been barren until God intervened. And that showed them that nothing was impossible to God. That he could and he had turned barrenness into fruitfulness in the past, and he could do it again. By singing, they were stirring up their faith, They were stirring up their trust in God. They were confessing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he will say he can do. In the middle of our despair, in the middle of our crisis, in the middle of our barrenness and lack of fruitfulness, we need to stir ourselves up and begin to confess that our answer is with God, who is the God of the impossible, who is the God of the breakthrough, and we need to begin to put our trust back in Him. When our future looks same old, same old, remind yourself that God knows the plans that He has for you and begin to praise Him, begin to thank Him, Begin to stir up your faith for what he is going to do. Remember that he's the God who opens barren wombs and changes our future from barrenness to fruitfulness. He is the God of the impossible and respond in faith to him. Because every one of us has seeds of success placed within us. We aren't created by chance, 
but we are created by God who knows the plans that he has for us. We have been created with talents. We have been created with giftings that God wants to see developed in and through us, but we've got to rise up and believe him and trust him with our God-given talents. I love true life stories. I like stories about failures who have succeeded. So I saw this the other day. Have a look at this quick video. Do you like that? What that little clip doesn't tell you was that um, Charles Schultz was, a, um, was an amazing Christian. Uh, had a really, really strong uh, faith. And uh, he absolutely revolutionized the industry by using his um, comic strip to subtly raise religious questions about the Bible, about prayer, about the nature of God, and in the end, um, in the end of the world as well. And Schultz, uh, being just totally devoted to God all through the Peanuts cartoon series, you'll find the fingerprints of Schultz's faith. And uh, just an amazing, um, amazing story of um, how uh, someone didn't give up but used their God-given talents and became an incredible, incredible, incredible blessing. How many people like um, Charlie Brown? Yeah, <laughs> I think because we can all identify with him. We can all identify with the problems that poor old Charlie has, the way he's picked on by Lucy, uh, how he's told every day that he's a loser. Um, we can all identify with that because most of us have been through that. We go through periods of brokenness and we go through periods of just being absolutely put down. <clears throat> but, you know, the Spirit of God is here today to restore our hope and give us a new song, uh, a song that will just rise up from within, responding to the call of the Spirit. Uh, God is wanting to restore our joy. God is moving. He's doing new things in the, the lives of those who look to him. Uh, I've just been so encouraged by what's happening with Bruce down in Auckland Hospital 50 years of epileptic fits, and now God's broken through. And I think five fits in the last five weeks, and even they were just, just small ones. So keep on praying for Bruce. Keep on praying for not, not 90%, not 99%, but 100% healing. Amen? So God was asking his people to trust him by beginning to sing and shout. But also... He was asking them to prepare for future growth and breakthrough. Isaiah 54 verse 2, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. You've got to picture this. This is 150 years before the people actually needed that prophecy. It's easy looking at prophetic words in hindsight and saying, wow, that was accurate. 
But the thing is, when we receive the prophetic word for ourselves, we've got to reach out. We've got to trust in what God is saying and what God is doing. While she was still barren, the woman was instructed to get ready for increase and not to hold back. Uh, It's very much like the prophetic word that Penny had a few weeks back where God said to her that he had revival in his hands, but he was holding it back while he prepared us to handle it. God isn't going to entrust us with a hundred new Christians if we can't handle them and effectively disciple them. We pray for revival in Whangarei and in Northland, but we need to be ready so God can answer our prayers. Amen? God has been telling his people and us that we will be bursting at the seams. So prepare for increase. So we need to make sure that the wineskin is right to hold the new wine. We need to get ready and prepare for fruitfulness. Pastor Tark shared last week uh, that he has had so many prophetic words confirming all this. And as I look out around the congregation this morning, I remember back 15, 18 years ago where we were predominantly a white, middle-class, New Zealand congregation. So if you aren't a white, middle-class New Zealander, why don't you stand up? If you, if you have got something besides, come on, come on, don't be shy. I can see people who aren't white, middle class New Zealanders sitting down. Come on, stand up. Come on, stand up. Yeah. <laughs> You're not middle class. Look around. Okay, thanks, guys. You can be seated. <clears throat> you know, I think, yeah, and more so, <clears throat> and more so. I remember, Anita, I remember a decade ago when you were about the only Maori family that we had in our church. And now, there are heaps. God, God is doing something amongst the Maori people of our nation. He's drawing them back to himself. And I just get so excited when I see what God is doing. Amen. Yeah, but we've got to prepare for it. We've got to prepare for it. You know, God wants us all to grow, to enlarge, to be strengthened, to grow in our faith and grow in our prayer life. He wants us to overcome our negativity and our cynicism and those things that squash our faith. He wants us to trust in the Lord and get our lives ready. So if God was to answer your prayers this morning, if he was to answer your prayers for fruitfulness, what would you need to do to hold on to the answers? We need to expand our commitment to God. We need to grow in our generosity. We need to grow in our devotion, our relationships, our fervor for the lost, our daily devotional disciplines. We need to expand our availability for God to use us. We need to grow in our prayer life. 
We need to expand all these disciplines that will help us grow in God and don't hold back. That's what that verse says, don't hold back. So we are ready for what God is doing. And to be ready, we need to go to another level. For instance, in the area of prayer, in Luke 11, uh, Jesus teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer. We all know that. He says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then after he shared this with his disciples, he shares with his disciples what our attitude to prayer should be like. So straight after telling them about the Lord's Prayer, he says, imagine you have a friend and you go to him at midnight, okay? How many, how many people have friends that you could go to at midnight? Don't put your hands up, all right? <clears throat> but imagine you've got a friend and you go to him at midnight and you ask your friend for three loaves of bread because you have unexpected visitors, your friend, Jesus said, is probably going to say, the door is locked, we're all in bed, and I'm not going to get up for you. That's what Jesus said our friend would do. Okay, Read it for yourself, Luke 11. <clears throat> but then Jesus said, Luke 11, verse 8, I tell you, even though your friend will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. When was the last time you prayed a prayer with shameless audacity? When was the last time you got so serious with God? When was the last time you wrestled with God in prayer like Jacob and said, God, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me? I think often we get blasé about the problems that we have in life and we don't really press in and we don't really break through in God because we're not convinced that we can't live without the answer. We need to be praying shameless audacious prayers, big prayers, knocking at God's door, asking for breakthrough, asking for breakthrough for our families, asking for breakthroughs in our business, asking for breakthroughs in our, in our relationships, asking for breakthroughs in our city, asking for breakthroughs in our nation. We need to grow and take hold of God and not hold back to see God's plans and God's purposes come to pass in our lives. We need to pray into those prophetic words and keep on praying until we see them come to pass. Don't hold back. Let's not limit God by our lack of preparation or availability. Let's not hold back taking those steps of faith, speaking those words of faith, sowing seeds of faith, but let's get ready for God's plans and purposes to come about in our lives. Amen. God is about to do something in our lives. Don't restrict him through lack of preparation. He wants to turn fruitfulness and barrenness into fruitfulness. Sometimes we just accept the attacks of the enemy and do nothing about them. 
It's a bit like I went out <coughs> to the garden the other, well, about three, three days ago. And I noticed there was about 20, 30 plums on the ground. And I thought, oh, blooming birds. They're into our plum tree. Next night, next morning, I go out. There's 50 plums on the ground and broken branches. And I thought to myself, that's not birds. That's dirty, rotten possums. And I had a choice. I either live with that and let them continue to steal from me, but I could see the hackles rising on my wife's face. I could see her getting really, really, really annoyed at this. Uh, she was just getting absolutely mad. If she'd had a shotgun, she would have been there sitting there in a chair in the middle of the night, ready to blast these little blighters. <coughs> so we put out two Tim traps, two leg traps to deal with this possum. And three o'clock in this morning, we had him. <laughs> Stopped. But we could have just left it. You know, sometimes we just, we just get comfortable letting the enemy steal from us. We need to rise up. We need to begin to get serious. We need to begin to call on the name of the Lord. Because God wants blessing. Not barrenness. He wants fruitfulness, not fruitlessness, but we need to do something about it. We need to prepare for what God is wanting to do. And thirdly, God says to his people, don't fear the future being a painful repetition of the past. Isaiah 54 verse 4. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. God was telling his people that not only was he giving them hope for tomorrow and help for today, but he was giving them healing and forgiveness from past hurts and past sins. Every one of us loved Charlie Brown because we identify with him. And we see the mistakes that we've made. The people were in captivity in Babylon because of their willful walking away from God. But despite this, because of God's love, his everlasting love towards them, God was offering them forgiveness the same way that that offer is made to each and every one of us through Jesus Christ, who loves us so much that he died for us so that we could be forgiven and restored in our relationship with our heavenly God. Many Christian people feel disgraced over what's happened in the past. They feel paralyzed because of the things they did or didn't do. Many look back in shame over what they have said and what they have done. Some feel that their life is lacking the potential 
It could have been because of past mistakes. But God says, don't be afraid. Your future with me will not be filled with fear and disgrace and humiliation like your past. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Because of God's mercy. Because God is the God of the impossible. God is the one who makes all things new. We are no longer defined by the things that we've done in our past. Because God is the God of forgiveness. The God who turns barrenness into fruitfulness. And God wants to do a work inside of us today and set us free to come into all that God has for us in the future. Amen? You know, it's amazing. Let's have the musicians. It's amazing the number of significant children in the Bible that were born to barren women. Just think about this. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. She and Abraham carried that child in their hearts long before that child, Isaac, was ever carried in Sarah's womb. And Isaac was the child of promise. Jacob's wife, Rachel, was barren until God opened her womb and she bore Joseph, the child of prominence, the one who was lifted from the prison to the prime minister's chair in a day. Manoah's wife was barren. She bore Samson, child of power. He received tremendous anointing of the Holy Spirit, did phenomenal works of strength like probably no other is mentioned in the Bible. There is Hannah. She bore Samuel, the child of prophecy. Samuel means heard of God. Samuel was a prophet of rare, rare clarity and power. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we have Elizabeth, who was barren. And she bore John, the child of purpose, the, the one who was called to prepare the way of the Lord, the one that Jesus described was the greatest. All these children were born to barren mothers, every one of them bore children of significance. You may feel as if there are areas of barrenness in your life this morning, but God wants to break through that barrenness, that reproach, that humiliation, and this morning He wants to transform you into fruitfulness. But you've got to begin to start and sing. You've got to begin to prepare. You've got to begin to let go of the past and let God work in your life today. Amen? Amen. I wonder.
if God is speaking to you this morning about areas of your life where there needs to be healing and wholeness, of dreams that once were vivid that have been destroyed, of situations where you need a breakthrough, I want you just to stand right where you are. And I'm going to pray. Because I really believe this morning that God wants to break barrenness in people's lives and set people free. I'm going to have the ministry team come and just stand along the front if you can. I know some of you may be standing, but... um, standing this morning I want you just to raise your hands just in a position of receiving I want you to begin to look to the Lord because God is the one who destroys barrenness and brings fruitfulness into our situations and circumstances. So God, we join together as the family of God this morning. And we thank you for your word, your prophetic word, which is just as alive and just as powerful today as it was when it was first given. I thank you, God, that you are encouraging us Once again, to sing. Once again, you are saying that we should enlarge our place. Because God, you have got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us, which is far exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even imagine. God, right now, I bind and I break the lies that the enemy have sown into people. Lives that have brought about constriction. Lies that have brought about despair. Lies that have brought about shame and humiliation. And God, we speak your love and your acceptance and your forgiveness into people's lives now. We thank you that every person who is standing, no matter what their situational circumstance, is only one prayer away from getting their lives back on track with you, Jesus Christ. And God, we're praying that prayer this morning. We're asking for forgiveness of the past. We're asking for help for today. God, we're asking for hope for for tomorrow. And Lord, we're putting our trust in the God of the Word who says that I am not a man that I should lie, neither the Son of Man that I should repent. Have I said and will I not do it? Have I spoken and will it not come to pass? So God, we are taking you at your word and we are believing that you are going to transform our barrenness. You're going to break our barrenness and you're going to produce fruitfulness. And we thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Come on, let's all stand this morning.